Welcome back to In The Race Podcast. We've got some audio glitches in this one, so cut us a little bit of slack. Uh, but enjoy the podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Uh, you know what time it is. Yes. Beer time. Cheers. Cheers, good sir. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, last time we got off on a tangent and talked about all kinds of stuff, uh, but it was fun. I, I had a good time. Um, me too. I, I guess I need to remind everybody, my name's Kevin Bandy, and I've got with me Corey Funk. Hello, everyone. And, uh, well, why don't you kick it off this time, Corey? Sure. Uh, I am, in simplest terms, a wannabe YouTube automotive journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Um, and you've already, you say wannabe, but you've already got a YouTube channel and you've got some videos up and, and you've done, uh, you've definitely done some like track videos that are really fun. Yeah. Tell us a little more. Yeah. At this point I have just taken a bunch of onboard footage that I have from past events and shoved it into YouTube with minimal editing and, uh, and adjustments. So it's been a fun adventure project whatever you want to call it and eventually i'd like to get into reviewing so i was kind of joking about that but i will get there one day for now it's just uploading all the footage i have yeah and and that puts you a huge step ahead of me because i've recorded a lot of stuff and i've posted very little of it so (laughs) i'm really impressed by that and i do think like the most important thing is just getting content out there getting getting started yeah yeah that is the biggest hurdle for sure just I mean, it took, I took, I waffled back and forth on creating a logo and making a website and doing all this stuff and I got it all done, but it, it takes time. And it's, when you look back on it, it's like, oh, that was easy. But when you're working through it and figuring out which domain name matches, which account and like trying to get everything to communicate effectively, it's really frustrating. Yeah. I feel that a ton. Um, but I want to say that we've done a really good job so far with this podcast so we yeah. we threw this together. We're like, let's let's do this. Uh, I geek out with the gear, so I went and got the gear and spent two whole days just trying to get things to all turn on and run at the same time. And I'll be honest, it still took a bunch of time just now <laughs> getting two mics working. Hey, you're doing a great job. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, because I have the easiest job in the world. I just show up and talk about cars and going racing and stuff so i do make it easy on you don't you do yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we got off topic last time and when i went and and just uploaded the very first there's a trailer up so far of course when you hear this there'll be more but i got a trailer up and we got it syndicated and things are basically working And Spotify. if you guys are interested, yeah, we're on Spotify. <laughs> like that makes us legit, right? <laughs> I think so to a certain extent. <laughs> so just figuring that out, I had to write some descriptions and things like that. And I realized, and I can't explain what this podcast is without kind of giving away what, what's going to happen. So, oh. and you hinted last time at a big announcement that I, I was supposed to ask you this question. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what's the big announcement? What Let's is make it? the announcement. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm going to start, man, I, I haven't even planned how I'm going to announce this, but I'll start with this. I'm going racing, yeah. <laughs> and more specifically, I'm going racing in the Grid Life Touring Cup Series, or GLTC. Now, before you get super excited, I'm talking about GLTC 2022, 
Yes, you heard that right. You're probably <laughs> hearing this at the beginning of 2021. Uh, but I need time to build a car, prepare, shake it down. I'd like to run events in 2021 with the car. But that's why I need a team behind me. And that's why Corey is going to be very deeply involved in this project. We did talk on our last episode about his V6 swap. <laughs> yes. And he has gone through a lot of things that I'm going to have to face as well. So I'm very appreciative to have his expertise on board for this next stage because what's next is building the car. Yep. And that is going to be what I kind of gave it away. It's going to be a Honda powered Miata, but specifically K series. Yeah. Now I looked into this a little bit and what we've settled on, and this did not happen in isolation. Corey was with me every step of the way here. But what we've come to the conclusion is the K24Z3 motor. Yep. And Or Z7. Or Z7, but I narrowed it down a little bit more. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, no, no. Like, uh, the, there's a little detail here that makes no difference to anyone else, but it matters a lot to me. And that is, and, and and if you're listening and I don't have a motor yet, help me find this. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want a K24Z3 built between January of 2019 oh, yeah. to April of 2019. And you're like, why would that matter at all? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, 2009, not 2019. Wow, it's been a long time. Um, January to April of 2009, I had a little job at a company called Honda. I worked in the manufacturing plant and actually worked on these blocks in, in particular. Yeah. That's I was cool. on the machining line. It was a co-op, uh, you know, kind of like a recurring internship when I was studying mechanical engineering. And I had a hand in making all those motors. So if one of those blew, don't, please don't blame me. <laughs> but <laughs> you have officially come full circle all the way back around. Right. Building the motor to racing with one of those. Exactly. So. And I've already That's decided cool. if I blow one of these motors, it's turning into like some kind of piece of art, maybe a table stand or something like if I can get one of these blocks, I'm, I'm getting one. I like it. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, that that was not the initial reason why we went K24Z3. Um the, the big reason is the obvious one, and that's just go watch any existing GLTC video and who are the front runners. They're pretty much all K-powered, mm -hmm. and a lot of those are K-swapped Miatas. Yeah, and the other thing too about the K-swap uh, with the Z motor is that it uses the factory Mazda subframe. So in this next, you know, year of testing in 2021 we're probably going to maybe like wrl maybe aer maybe uh something else it makes a lot of sense because the subframe the standard subframe oem subframe will keep you in a lower class rather than bumping you up into a class that you have no business being in so yeah if we were to do like a k24 a2 it would bump us uh, into a much higher class and then we probably wouldn't be as competitive or we'd have to do major power modifications or tire uh, width add-ons to you know get, get the car to be competitive. So it makes sense. That brings up a great point. This Grid Life series is a one-class race, meaning every car in the race is subject to the same rules. That's in contrast to a professional IMSA race that you see uh, prototype cars and GT cars of different classings. And there's constantly cars passing each other throughout the entire race because they're on, they're not even competing against each other. 
-hmm. Some cars are competing against each other, but that group is on track at the same time with other cars that are having their own race. GLTC is not that way. It's single-class racing, and it's basically how much does it weigh, how much power does it make, and then a few other factors, and that tells you how much tire you can run. But when I say how much tire you you can run, I mean some people will be on street tires, some people will be on semi-slicks, other people will be on Hoosiers, or slicks in general. So there's a lot of different kinds of vehicles that can be out here on the field, and they're all competing. And in theory, they're all going to have equal chance at the podium, which yep. is really exciting. There was uh, just so that people realize how crazy the classing is and how it's mostly based on power to weight. There was a Honda Odyssey minivan that <laughs> ran right. in a few races last year, and it's racing like K-Swap Miatos and stuff. Which it's is super cool. A minivan. In fact, in some of my research, I found someone that I think put a sticker on the back of their car that said, I got beat by a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure I would run the same sticker if that happened to me. So hopefully they just don't show up in 2022 so that I don't have to have that embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> but another thing about Grid Life with it being a smaller series is they're a little bit looser about qualifications and whatnot. So you can prep a car for GLTC and have it ready uh, with less money and less effort than it would take to prep a car for, say, uh, SCCA race of some sort. Um, and, and they're not going to come after you, uh, like that scene in... Uh, What's the movie Ford versus Ferrari where Ken Miles is like hammering the the uh, trunk lid down to make it meet some weird rule? <laughs> like GLTC is the complete polar opposite of that, uh, and it'll be cool because we have a lot more leeway and we can be a little more innovative and, and creative, and the competition will be will be just as good. I'm really excited about the rule set. It was designed, if I understand correctly, to fit in close to existing classes so that people can pick up their car and take it to GLTC and be competitive. But like you said, there's enough flexibility in there. Arrow is not heavily penalized, or at least people have proven a formula with Arrow that can win. Mm -hmm. You can go kind of crazy in some dimensions, things that you couldn't do in, in other clubs, but you can build a competitive car that can fit in other series as well. Yep. So like you were saying, we probably will fit decently in some of these endurance racing series. And I think that's going to be a great way to, to shake down the car. So another key piece of information here is the format of these races is short sprint racing. We're talking about 15 minute races. Mm -hmm. So you might be thinking 15 minutes, like I drive that four times in my commute. <laughs> like, okay, well, it's a little more intense than that, or let's hope. But it's an all-out sprint to the finish from a tight grid based on qualifying to the end. And those will happen three or four times in a weekend, and those scores accumulate. And then that is multiplied by 10-plus weekends a year that go for the full championship. Yeah. And it's all over the nation. So that's really exciting. We're going to see... Everything from Ohio and Colorado and everything in between. Unfortunately, we used to have a stop at Road Atlanta. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of factors involved of why that <laughs> stopped. But unfortunately, that's not 
showing back up in the near term, and we can't depend on that happening in 2022 either. Yeah. We should still run Global Time Attack at, uh, at Red Atlanta when they come, though. That's a good point. That being said, this does not mean I don't want to take this car out at Road Atlanta a lot because Road Atlanta is absolutely like very close to my heart. It is a home track of mine, maybe the home track. So we'll see a lot of time at Road Atlanta in this car. Yeah, I think the home track uh, for the track day organization that we go to is probably AMP and then Road Atlanta is a very, very close second. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I think I only recently outpaced or or racked up more days at road atlanta than at amp oh nice yeah i'm I'm not even close to that (laughs) (laughs) um we primarily run with a track day organization in the southeast called jayzilla track days and i highly recommend it it fits well whether you're highly experienced and you've been to a lot of tracks and you've done a lot of driving or you're just curious about this whole track day thing Jayzilla Track Days does a good job at keeping that safe and making it enjoyable for people of all skill levels. Yeah, they have a very thorough novice program for people who have never ever done a track day before to come in and kind of learn the ropes, get used to it, and then slowly work their way up. And then when you get in the advanced uh, classes, it's basically wheel to wheel with point buys. Yes, <laughs> Red Group part. is basically wheel to wheel. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, that's a joke, but. We, we really love going to this organization because they, they keep it safe, they keep it fun, and wow, it's impressive the kind of tracks on the, the roster. So now, Jayzilla Track Days is partnered up with WRL, World Racing League, mm-hmm. and wherever they go in 2021, Jayzilla follows, and they've got a like pre-race event that anyone can run. Yeah. And that puts Jayzilla all over the map, all over the U.S., do you want me to read off some of the places? Is, is Let's it hear it. Yeah? Okay. I'll pull it up. You can keep talking, though. So it, it's pretty neat. I, I've run with a, a number of different organizations. I guess I need to get this out of the way. I am considered staff on Jayzilla, and I am biased. So take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we're, we're both staff, so there's a little bit of bias happening here. There's definitely bias, but uh, come try it out and see... See if you get where we're coming from, because there's a reason that we keep going back. Okay, we've got a list now. Let's hear it. Okay. Uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park, obviously. Road Atlanta, those are the two we already mentioned. Also going to Charlotte Motor Speedway, which was awesome last year, because it's under the lights uh, at nighttime, and it rained, and it it looks like a cyberpunk uh, fantasy world at nighttime. It's pretty much the only track day you get to like sleep in. Four, and oh, yeah, then that's true, too. I <laughs> but, forgot about but that. But then it runs late, and they kick on all the lights, and it is it is a sight to behold. Yeah, um, and then there's Barber Motorsports Park, uh, which is awesome. We both love that track. Definitely. Daytona International Speedway, uh, Virginia International Raceway, Road America, Mid-Ohio, Sebring, and Circuit of the Americas. If you can find <laughs> another track day organization that is as small as Jayzilla is and is going that many huge big-name tracks, it, it's... It's impossible. Yeah, like, pretty they're, much. They're next level now. It's amazing. I, I feel like Jayzilla is one of the most innovative in the space as well. So I've personally been able to uh, attend our Jayzilla track tours, which is a really neat thing where we go to bucket list tracks that aren't necessarily otherwise accessible. Oh, yeah. So we've done this twice now. 
where we fly into Belgium. Yes, that Belgium. <laughs> and we get a day at Spa Francorchamps, which is incredible. And I, I don't think I appreciated it enough the first time I went. And I'm now just diving in and learning everything I can about it. Apparently, this is hotly debated. I just learned this the other day. But people call the beginning of this iconic turn Eau Rouge. <laughs> and then after you go up the hill and you take a left and it flattens out, they call that Radion. Apparently, as soon as you dip down, that begins Eau Rouge. And then if you look to the left, there's some fence and a, a river. And apparently on the other side of that fence, the track used to continue. But Radion is a new cut through. I say new, it, it's probably 30 or 70 years old or something much older. But apparently as soon as it cut through instead of wrapping around, that new part was Radion. So only, I think, just the first dip down is Eau Rouge and then everything else is Radion. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely need to make that event when it happens again the next time. Definitely. <laughs> I, hopefully travel restrictions lift in 2021 and we get another chance to go out there. But next time I get the opportunity, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go try to find that that abandoned part of the track and yeah. see if I can go walk it or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're not trying to make this an ad about Jayzel. If you want an ad about Jayzel, we'll make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, do... I have a question. Do you want to talk about your, uh, I, and we can both talk about this. Should we get into like how we got into track days initially and, and what's leading us to motorsports, I guess? Is that worthwhile? Uh, let's do that. Let's jump in. All right. You want to yeah. go first or I can go first? Oh, no. You came up with the idea. All right. All right. Lead. I'll go first. <laughs> uh, so my very first time on track was at the Porsche Experience Center, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, where I worked. So I worked in, in the, on the corporate side of things rather than the experience center side of things. And I was on the product planning team for several years and, uh, basically was just neck deep in car news and, uh, competitive, competitor vehicles, competitive analysis, all of this stuff for the first few years of my career. And uh, my first time was on track at the Porsche Experience Center, if you can call that a track. It's very small and very tight. It's more I, of I would call it a track. You're not allowed to. As, <laughs> yeah. as an employee, you're not allowed to call it a track. There's various reasons for that, but uh, the way you can drive on it is very similar. Yeah, and you can go over 100 miles an hour, which is it's not like an autocross. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, my first time on track was there in a Cayman GTS uh, with an instructor who now drives a Lambert for Lamborghini Super Trofeo mm-hmm. <laughs> or in a Lamborghini Super Trofeo, I should say. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was my entrance and I was already somewhat hooked. I had tried autocross before I had done some karting, but it was at that point that I realized I really want to do track days on my own. And to be honest, I had already purchased a Miata recently married, uh, recently out of home uh, and moving into my own place. And so I'd purchased the Miata with the intention of turning it into a track car. Uh, sadly, that car never made it to the track. Uh, it was actually in an accident on the street, oh, no. uh, which was very sad. It was not uh, entirely my fault. Uh, but I, there were some learnings for me in that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah, uh, bought an S2000 with the money that I picked up from that. Uh, saw that I needed to change slightly in career just to be able to afford to go to track days more regularly. Um, and uh, this was at the time of Dieselgate at Porsche too, so things were like, it was, I was just working the job of like two, two or three people and wow. I was, I was getting burned out. I remember that being really big news, but I only heard about it, um, you know, in the context of Volkswagen. Yeah. And of course, Volkswagen and Porsche are, I don't know how related they were at the time. I think. Yeah. Uh, Porsche is owned by Volkswagen group. So, uh, a lot of the money that Volkswagen group needed to pay and make up uh, they were looking to all of the companies that they owned, which is a lot of companies. It's like Lamborghini, Audi, Volkswagen, Seat, uh, Bugatti, uh, Ducati. There are others that I'm, wow. I'm forgetting, but they, they yeah. own a lot of, of these companies. So yeah, basically uh, I was feeling a little burned out and I was like, I need to try something different. I need more free time and also more money to go and do track days. So I quit my job there and left uh, to go do real estate and then ended up doing social media for motorsports teams <laughs> and uh, did several track days in uh, my S2000 and have kind of continued from that now and now I'm building the V6 Miata and the the spec E46 and I'm trying to decide which one I go with but that's where I am now I think both of us are kind of a hundred percent we want to go racing next. Now we've done hundreds, thousands of laps at the various tracks that are close to us, and we just both really want to go racing. <laughs> so that's what the point yes. of this podcast is. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that, that makes it my turn. Yeah, go for it. I went to Georgia Tech uh, to study mechanical engineering because I wanted to design cars. That's that's what mm. I was going for. That That's what I thought I was going to do. Um, life happened. That's not where I ended up. But in the process, I joined the Formula SAE team. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. If you're not familiar with this, it's a volunteer team of students that builds every year new. It's, it kind of mimics Formula One. You build a car to a set of rules. You have to, you have to build out a plan of how you would produce the car, how you'd market the car. It's like you're building a business. It's all mock, except you actually build a car. It's typically motorcycle powered. And it's, I say car, it's a cart, right? It's a single seater, it's small, it's got wheel and tire sizes that are specific to just this program. In fact, the yep. manufacturers are, are very deeply connected and they will develop tires just for this program. And I remember at one point, Michelin invited Georgia Tech out and we did an event up there and tested proprietary compounds for them. It was really cool stuff. That's so cool. As an engineer, as an engineering student, there's like no cooler thing you could be involved with. Yeah. In fact, I'm a little jealous no longer being a student, not being involved in something like that. I wish my school had a Formula SAE program. I would have 100% been <laughs> all about that. <laughs> Every time I go to the, like, you go to a car show, a lot of times somebody will be there. Uh, one of those teams will be at one of the car shows and I'm always jealous. I always run up and yeah. talk to the kids. I'm like, oh. Me too. I, I see them and I get like a little bit angry. I'm like, dang it. Why I know. My school have that program. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's all good. I, that, that's where I met a group of people that obviously were familiar with this world or, um, or are more likely to than they were. And at one point, a few of the guys rented out TGPR or Little Talladega in Alabama. And 
I remember I spent like, it was like a hundred or $120. And that was my entry plus lunch. And I borrowed awesome. my friend's Subaru that was like hopped up. It was crazy. And he had it detuned to 300 horsepower. And I went out there and just blasted past a bunch of cars <laughs> just because the thing had tons of grip and tons of power. I'm sure I was driving terribly, but I was like, oh man, that was a track prepped E36 M3. Everybody says that's fast. I outran it. Ah, I'm, I'm the best driver. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first experience at a track. And I, I was like, I'm meant to do this. I am awesome. <laughs> like everyone should bow to me. I've got this. And, uh, and then being a college student, it's, it was pretty impractical for me to go pursue that. So that just became a memory. That was back in 2010 for me. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, my dad and I were at Caffeine and Octane. And another great organization out here, Just Track It, had a booth at the show. And my dad was like, oh, this looks cool. Look, they, they ran out of racetrack, and, and you can go drive there. So we picked up a pamphlet, and we talked to him a little bit. And this guy here, Nabil, was, like, really friendly. And, and we were able to talk to him and everything. And, and it was like, man, this looks really cool. And the story from there to when I got into it is a little muddy. But basically i brought my dad out and i tried to convince him like hey this is something we should do like this looks like fun you know maybe we would work together and make that happen yeah and he was not convinced <laughs> not at all convinced it's fact, funny because he's so into it now like <laughs> that it it totally worked the, whatever it, plan you enacted it has reached its completion now <laughs> it, it it has and i'll i'll tell you what made it work we went to road atlanta and watched some race i don't remember what it was or maybe it was just a track day and we were standing up there and he's like it looks slow I don't know why I wouldn't want to do this. And then at one point I was at AMP and a, a friend of mine had a S13 240SX mm-hmm. that was LS swapped. Ooh. I was like, would you take my dad for a ride? Yeah, that'll set your pants and, on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad hopped in and... and uh, Literally. And, and the driver... Yes. <laughs> and, and, and he said... Uh, you know, just let me know if you feel nauseous. And my dad told me, you know, recalling this day, he's like, he's like, why would anyone like that? No, it's not going to be a problem. We're good. And he he went out there and he came back. He's like, I had no control of where my legs went. (laughs) I understand why he told me that. (laughs) And at that point he had totally changed his mind and he got it. Yeah. So, I don't remember if it was before, slightly before or right after this, I found a Miata and I bought it. And then I surprised my dad with it. I was like, I'm doing this now. (laughs) And uh, so he helped me get a roll bar in there and a seat like right off the bat. Heck yeah. And then we went out to uh, TGPR again. Just track it had some events there. This is fun for me because I didn't know that bit <laughs> about your your backstory, and that that is really cool. I didn't know it was such a father son project and introduction, which is super cool. It was neat. We really got to do a lot of this together. And when I when I first went out there, I oh man, it I probably shouldn't admit this, 
but there were quite a few track days in a row before I finally didn't four off. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it happens to the best of us. Well, TGPR typically, um, it's a safe track. There's almost nothing to hit. Yeah. There is a river that has eaten cars, but that is rare. Yeah. But there's really not much to hit. So in those days, there were no instructors at that, at that program. (laughs) So I was just sent out like, go figure it out. And I was like, well, I know how to drive a car. This is fun. <laughs> and I did not. There was something I had never heard of called a decreasing radius turn. <laughs> and oh. it bit me a lot. Yeah, those will get you. <laughs> um, and my parents were like, this kid is not cut out for this. And, uh, and so they were poking fun at me. They were, they were trying to like subtly talk me out of it. And then I finally convinced my dad to show up to one of these with me and drive as well. Mm-hmm. And so we shared the car. And then as soon as he went out, he spun even more spectacularly than I did. <laughs> he brought the car back in the, in the paddock, and it was just covered in grass everywhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he was like, oh, I get it. Yep. And he, it's not easy. It's not easy. So it was a real humbling experience. Man, that's um, cool. I, just for the record, my track day experience as far as four-offs go is exactly the opposite. Huh. I'm, I'm naturally very cautious and kind mm. of a perfectionist, and I had no four-offs for many, many track days. And then I had my first like really bad four-off at Barber the last time we were there, oh, <laughs> wow. which is crazy. Um, but yeah, after, I mean, honestly, at this point, like, hundreds of or over a hundred track days i haven't had like a major four off where i was like i think i'm gonna hit that wall until (laughs) until this last event recently wow so there was one other thing i wanted to add to uh both of us and i I forgot to say this in my backstory and uh you didn't mention it either both of us have a lot of go-karting in our in our past i've done many endurance go-kart races and have a couple, very few medals to my name for, for those. I know you just did a, a four-hour endurance race at AMP like yes. a couple weekends ago, right? Yep. And I feel like we should probably talk about how cheap karting is, mm. how good it is to uh, hone your skills and turn you into a better driver, and how much of karting is transferable into track days. Uh and specifically compared to other ways that people get into it, like sim racing yes. or autocross. What, what do you think? Should I we go down that path? Is, that's like a whole podcast on its own, probably. That's where I was going to go. Okay. I, I 100% <laughs> agree with that. I think that's going to make this an hour and a half long episode, and we can't do that. Yep, that's but fair. But I, I want to cover that. I think that's really good. Um, but this ties into my backstory, and is related to what you just said. I got my first experience with vehicle dynamics, I feel like Mm -hmm. going to every single drift event Mm. in Atlanta and you go enough, you, you make some friends. I got a lot of people to give me rides Yeah, and right seating in a drift car has informed my driving to today. I think I, a lot of people talk about steering feel and they really blow that up to be a big thing. And I'm not saying it's not, but for me, I feel like my driving style is entirely in the seat. And I think it's because I started out in drift as mm-hmm. a ride-along student. So I didn't have a steering wheel to get any input from. I learned everything from riding along in a drift car. That's really interesting. That yeah, makes which, me want to go 
like buy a drift car or just go ride along with people at a drift event. That's worthy of an of a of an episode too because I am a huge believer in drift for track day goers. I I think that people, I think each stage of. I, I hate to tear it this way, but aggressive driving makes you more comfortable in extreme situations and allows you to push harder. Hmm. And I think drift is perfectly positioned next to um, HPDE or even wheel-to-wheel racing. Yeah. Even, so, though, even though I've never done a drift event, I actually agree with that because I can tell just from doing track days as you're pushing towards the limit and reaching the limit and getting past the limit, knowing, being familiar and comfortable in that last 10% and over that last 10%, that is where you live at a drift day. So it, it makes, yes. it makes a lot of sense. For I agree. Building skills. And okay. Oh, we got a phone call. <laughs> we got a phone. This is part of being new to podcasting. Yeah. So uh, uh, hold your calls, people. We'll, we'll take them on a future episode. Yeah, we'll cut this out and... The phone stopped ringing, obviously. The so phone has stopped ringing. What, uh, we what saved we spend you our time. last few minutes uh, talking about? All right, here comes the ad. Okay. Okay, I need to throw this ad in here. Yeah, yeah, go for it. We're talking about drift enhancing the HPDE experience, mm-hmm. but the problem with drift events is that you're kind of putting your car at cosmetic risk in a way <laughs> much, much more extreme than a track day or an autocross or something like that. So, Jay Zilla actually has a middle ground. Oh, yeah. It's this car control clinic. It's a new concept. Um, and I'm really excited about it because I helped make it happen. I, I kind of, like, fostered the idea early on. Kudos. But Thank you. It's a cool I'm, program. I'm really excited. It's a full day of skid pad, autocross, braking exercises. And really, if you've ever experienced the Porsche Experience Center which if you haven't, go sign up and do it. Yeah, It's taking that and expanding it to a day. And I'm going to go ahead and go on record with this. I think this approach could threaten the three-day, five-day race program that's thousands of dollars. Yeah, they're so expensive. They're very Prohibitively expensive. Prohibitively expensive to certain And people. I think they market really well to, to wealthy people that just want to check off, okay, I did skydiving... You know, I did deep sea diving. Oh, I'm going to go race a car. Like, I think the one and done guys, you know, it, it's this package. They, they're they going to take photos of you. It's going to feel like a complete experience. I get that. But if you're serious about honing your skills, I think a lot of that can be done in a focused module-based event. And that's what this car control clinic is. So if, yep. if you're listening to this early in 2021, um, check Jayzilla track days. Um or jzillatrackdays.com and see what's on our schedule because if that one's still coming up and there's spots available, check it out. It, it, it is worth it because you're whether you've never been on track, whether you're scared to get on track, or you've been on track a bunch and you want to you wanna improve your skills, this is the place to do it and you're not risking your car. Yeah, and we will both be instructors at that That's right. event. Yeah. And also at 
the Porsche Experience Center too. So, so if we <laughs> happen to have fans of the podcast by, <laughs> that would be by awesome. <laughs> right, then feel, you can come meet us there. Yeah, and feel free to request us. I guess I, I doubt there's that many people out there that are gonna be like, oh yeah, we like we're not gonna have, end up with ten people requesting us. There's, they might just be jealous people like a couple years from now, and, <laughs> and they're like, oh man, I missed out on that opportunity. Yeah. But keep an eye on that. I think that's. That, that's such a cool program. Um, one more thing. I just want to make sure I cover this before we wrap this one up. Sure. Um, all I talked about with the goals of this was in 2022. So I want to briefly talk about 2021. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a whole year, but that's going to be pretty jam-packed. We've got to do the K-swap to the car. <laughs> we've got to, um, once we put the car together, we actually got to get it out to a track and shake it down. We were talking about potentially endurance racing the car. Um, so that we can get get comfortable with it and break things in the multi-hour race event Mm -hmm. so we don't lose a whole 15-minute race that is for the championship, right? Right. So there's a lot to happen between now and then, and I've got... uh, I'm very thankful to have a decent-paying job in this economy, but I still, you know, don't want to or cannot fund every bit of this. So sponsorship is a big part of it. And that's a big part of this podcast. We want to create platforms, create media distribution channels and, and templates that we can use to create value for sponsors. Mm-hmm. Remember, sponsorship is an even exchange. I'm not just asking for free parts, right? This is, this is an exchange and this is part of it. So we want to create a broadcasted opportunity to bring value to these companies and, uh, and have these good kinds of conversations, expand our network, and find cool opportunities. Yeah, and primarily so that we can go racing and, exactly. and build our knowledge and experience. And so. that's our goal. And I hope if you're listening to this, you can be entertained and enjoy this process from the, the comfort of your couch. But at the same time, if you endeavor to do something like this, maybe there's going to be some gems here of the things we do wrong or the things that we happen to get right. And we will share those along the way. We'll, we'll share our strategy to the extent that we can. I'd like to be as transparent as possible about acquiring sponsorship. And I think that's like a dirty, a dirty world that people don't talk about. So I'm excited to kind of expose that to the extent that that's viable. Yeah, I think being transparent and documenting accurately and truthfully the process is something that we don't see a whole lot of a lot of the sponsorship deals are happening under the table and like you said it's kind of hush hush uh but uh and not saying we won't have private meetings with people Mm -hmm. uh, but just to say i think that there's a lot of value to be added by documenting this process transparently because it's it doesn't really exist in any other place that we've been able to find and and so that's a big part of what we're trying to do here and if you have questions about this process, it might help us realize, hey, that's something that we've just been doing offline and we forgot to talk about it. So please raise that. We'd like to share every bit of this. Um, and at this point, we've got a good bit of driver knowledge and, mm-hmm. and motorsports knowledge as well. And we'd like to share that that we have. So let's try to make this educational and collaborative, uh, but most importantly, fun. Yeah. On board. You got, you got me in. Maybe, maybe there's a few we've, other people. We've got one. So once <laughs> yeah. I post this, Corey's going to watch it. So 
please be number two. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. That was awesome. I appreciate you checking in. This is In The Race podcast. Mm. And I nice. am your host, Kevin Bandy, and with me, Corey Funk. And we will continue to bring this content to you. Please reach out. Info at intheracepodcast.com. Shoot us an email. Send us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Nice. <laughs> All right. See you later, guys. And gals. <laughs> Cheers.